When you have the right recon process in place, it's easy to stay ahead of the game. Put your recon on cruise control today with iRecon, the solution built directly in Viato that obliterates recon inefficiencies and accelerates your used car sales. Visit viato.com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, December 26, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, a huge new plant being built down south. Fast growing EV sales and seeing those sales possibly kneecapped by the Inflation Reduction Act. I've heard from all three heads of the brands that they were all definitely disappointed and some you wouldn't say irritated by the rug that was pulled out from underneath them. We'll take a look back at the year Hyundai and Kia had in 2022 with Automotive News reporter Carly Schaffner on Daily Drive. Carly Schaffner, welcome back to Daily Drive for this special year-end uh, look back at Hyundai and Kia and the Hyundai Motor Group in America. Thanks, Jamie. It's good to be back. Uh, you know, it was great. We just got to see you out in LA. And so, and uh, where, of course, we did the Daily Drive uh, show from the Hyundai Home Display at the LA Auto Show. And I look back, and this has just been uh, such an incredible year. You know, of course, the kind of the third year really impacted by uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. But for, you know, these brands that you cover, uh, the Korean brands in America, uh, they have really had uh, quite an incredible year, quite a successful year. I guess let's start with sales, right? They've made a lot of progress on EVs, uh, but let's start with, I mean, the ICE vehicles. They're gaining share in all three brands. Of course, kind of by, like a lot of others, uh, abandoning their cars and leaning in on the uh, crossovers and uh, even a small pickup. Yeah, definitely. All three brands have had success, especially the Genesis brand kind of picking up, opening its first standalone retail store in Louisiana this year at the beginning of the year. Hyundai and Kia both launched compact crossover electric vehicles, which both really gains quick popularity out of the gates. And also the Telluride and Palisade, which were both refreshed in New York. They were announced that they would be have some new trims. Palisade got a sportier look to it. Telluride, just a little bit of upgrading along each of the trim lines itself. Those continue to be really, really popular vehicles. In fact, when I talked to Randy Parker, who is the CEO of Hyundai Motor America at the LA Auto Show last month, he said that in addition to their Ionic 5 EV compact crossover, the Palisade, the free row Palisade continues to be one of the fastest turning vehicles in their lineup. So they also, though, made the finally made the move into pickups in a sense right the uh, santa cruz uh, got out you know a lot of attention paid to the ford maverick and you know as a car based pickup and its success but the santa cruz has done really well as well yes the santa cruz is kind of in its own standalone little category and as you travel north, especially from where I'm based, up the 405 to their very prominent placement next to the freeway. For a long time, they had each of their five spots where they display vehicles with only Santa Cruz pickups. So <laughs> it was definitely a hot segment for them to enter. Yeah, big point of pride. And of course, even the the stalwart crossovers, the Tucson and the Santa Fe just continue to plug along. I don't know if they got prioritized for chips, but I mean, their sales were pretty flat, at least through three quarters of the year. And 
you know, hey, in this market, flat is pretty good. Yes, flat is definitely good. And Hyundai and Kia and Genesis has since started to rebound a little bit starting in August. But Jose Munoz, the global COO of Hyundai Motor Company, has said that they were prioritizing chips to the higher end variants of the crossovers. So they weren't going to compromise safety equipment was their number one concern um, by decontenting any of their vehicles, that they were going to keep the microchips flowing to those higher volume and in turn higher profit or margin vehicles. Well, and the other thing that was so interesting, especially through the first half of the year when chips were in such short supply, Hyundai stopped selling fleet vehicles, you know, and that had been, you know, I think it was often a criticism of the brand that, you know, you couldn't tell, were they really that popular? Were they really doing that well? That every time sales would flag, they'd make a a big fleet sale. And, and it kind of looked like they were, you know, propping up the business that way. The first half of this year, they were like, you know, Honda, like peak Honda, where they were selling nothing to fleets, everything at full retail price, and just, you know, really a profound shift. Now, like you said, maybe as production's picked up, they're starting to get a little back into that fleet segment. I think at this point, fleet's a little more profitable than it was three or four years ago. (laughs) Right. Definitely. Yeah. They had, I believe the first nine months of the year done zero fleet. And it's now, they've now started to kind of step back in. But again, in November, when I spoke with Randy Parker, he said that they were going to continue to prioritize the the retail because they still have high, they're still seeing demand out there for their vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. Real high margins, but it isn't, you know, it's always that trade-off when you have some new models um, and when a brand has changed its market position so much in a better way (laughs) that you want to put a few of those out for people to drive who maybe they've been getting into, you know, a Nissan or uh, one of the less popular Chevys. And then it's, they get in a Ionic five, if it's an electric or more likely something like a, a Tucson or a Santa Cruz and say, wow, this is actually a pretty cool car. Right, right. And I think the Palisade and the Telluride have just been, I mean, uh, consumers, we were hearing anecdotes that consumers are paying around 10000 over MSRP for those vehicles because they're just in such high demand. And I think that the Koreans both came out with EVs early before some of the domestic automakers. And it, it, of course, increased the choices on the market, but it really gave customers in that mainstream kind of uh, shopping pocket options and they they could afford outside of Tesla and some of the more higher end EVs. Yeah, I mean, so let's let's dig into the EVs. I mean, the the Ionic 5 for Hyundai was a a huge success, won a bunch of awards, uh but it also just sold really well. It's a good package and there are a whole a whole slew of vehicles uh across the market that kind of came out in what I would consider sort of a Model Y fighter, you know, yeah. but uh, maybe a little less expensive, but still with some nice, uh, nice packaging to it. Yeah, definitely. I think the whole market is starting really with that compact crossover segment. It's a high volume segment and Model Y does offer a optional third row, but I've heard from a lot of people, it's really like not that useful unless you're going to put kids back there. So this really is the hot segment that and even the Ford Mach-E, you know, that fits right in there too. Kia already had an entry in this segment, the Nero, which has three electrified powertrains, including an EV. So that's really, I think, where people are dipping their toe into the water. 
Yeah, I mean, I would think of the Nero as being a little bit smaller, but now they've got the EV6 out, which is a, a little more in that. I mean, compact. I think of the Nero. I don't know if it's technically a subcompact, but it. it is, I mean, it's a great car. Uh, yeah. But I feel like the EV6, the Volkswagen ID4, the Ionic 5, I know they all are like words with numbers, uh, but the, <laughs> and the Mustang Mach-E, which doesn't have a number on it, all kind of come into that that really sweet spot in the market that if you look outside of EVs, right, is the, the best-selling thing other than full-size pickups, the, the RAV4 and CRV and, and things like that. So it's really exciting development in the EV market and Hyundai and Kia have been uh, kind of riding the wave. Yeah, definitely. And I will say about the Nero, um, that was another announcement that they made in New York that they were indeed bringing the EV back for its second generation. And they put all three of the powertrains onto a new platform, which grew its size a little bit. And I've driven the hybrid, which is the original, just Nero, and then the EV, and they're both pretty spacious inside, surprisingly. But the EV6, yes, definitely has a little bit more elbow room inside and cargo space. That's a consideration from both automakers. You know, over the course of the year, gaining momentum, especially with the Ionic 5, but Hyundai as a group with Hyundai and Kia, we'll get to Genesis in a a little bit, but they had really surpassed, you know, Chevy and Ford and become the number two EV seller in the U.S. behind only Tesla. And then we get the Inflation Reduction Act. And Joe Manchin's many caveats that he put on getting this uh, big EV tax credit through the Senate was that the first one to kick in was that all vehicles to qualify for federal support had to be manufactured, had to be assembled in the North America. And wow, what a blow to the Hyundai group. How did, how did they respond? Well, it's interesting because we had been waiting for this final iteration of what was going to affect that $7,500 tax credit. And um, we finally found out that it was going to be really isolated to EVs built in North America, as well as their battery built in North America. And then the material sourcing portion, which is very, very complex, but it has to be really confined to North America. Um, It was just months after Hyundai had announced its commitment to build a $5.5 billion electric vehicle and battery complex just outside of Savannah, Georgia. And that in calculating the timing of all of it, even if they they were able to pull forward construction and, and get done a little bit quicker, that their vehicles would no longer be eligible until March 2026. And for both Hyundai and Kia, who have a robust plan sketched out to hit that real mainstream part of the market where luxury, you know, we've really only seen these entries from luxury automakers at this point, especially the upcoming three-row entry that's going to be the first real Tesla Model X fighting from Kia. It's going to be called the EV9. Um, It really delivered a blow to them. And I think I've heard from all three heads of the brand, Claudia Marquez, the COO of Genesis, again, Randy Parker, Steve Center, the chief operating officer at Kia, that they were all definitely disappointed and some even say irritated by the rug that was pulled out from underneath them. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Center uh, commented, I was at the LA Auto Show to you, you know, presto changeo doesn't help anybody. You talk to the long lead times that go into the auto industry and then to have the, the rules change on something that, you know, $7,500 is a 
It's more than more money than most automakers make on a single vehicle. <laughs> in, yes. In yes. most cases. So it really changes the position of the vehicle in the market. Uh, but so far, I mean, the Hyundai group has insisted they're not holding back. They are still going to bring all the EVs they can to the U.S. That's right. Yeah, and they're charging forward. Construction is currently underway on the complex. They just announced their battery partner for U.S.-built EVs. It's going to be SK On, which is part of SK Innovations, a South Korean-based battery maker. So they are charging, pun unintended, forward <laughs> with this plan. But they are not a company that has put all their eggs in the EV basket. You mentioned like the Kia Nero strategy, where they're, again, offering that with three powertrains. Uh, when we were in Los Angeles for the uh, Automotive News Congress uh, last month, Jose Munoz talked about the importance of serving all the customers because not everybody is ready to make the full leap to EVs and they feel like there still needs to be room for, for hybrids as a bridge. Yeah, that's true. And Jose has also said that this is a way to lower emissions across the board. So I think it really is a one-two punch for them to add hybrids to their lineup. They have the, the Santa Fe hybrid, which Santa Fe is also a compact crossover. So it's in that high volume area. It's popular. They're actually going to, well, they started production of the hybrid version at Hyundai's plant in Montgomery, Alabama, which is the first electrified vehicle that Hyundai will be building in the U.S. That's something else they announced in April at the New York Auto Show. On Kia's side, their Sportage, which is their longest running nameplate in the U.S., now in its fifth generation, also got a hybrid and a plug-in hybrid variant. And both brands are really keen on getting those consumers interested in electrification into some form of electrified powertrain. Coming up, Jamie and Carly talk about the spree of Hyundai and Kia thefts and predictions for the brands in 2023. That's next on Daily Drive. Warning, your reconditioning process needs attention. Unexpected shortages and delays can throw off even the most routine recon work, slowing your sales and eating into your bottom line. Identify and fix reconditioning inefficiencies to turn your inventory faster with iRecon. This reconditioning solution, built directly in V-Auto, keeps you in control of your service department and puts your recon on cruise control. With real-time alerts and reports, iRecon helps you get ahead of potential issues before they become costly problems. You'll be able to track who's doing the work and how long tasks are taking, see the status of any vehicle in an instant, and make adjustments where needed. And it's all done in an easy-to-use dashboard you can customize to fit your workflow. Obliterate inefficiencies and accelerate your used car sales only with iRecon. Run your personal recon diagnostics with us today and put your process on cruise control. Slate Money is a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the world of business and finance. Hosted by Felix Salmon, Elizabeth Spires, and me, Emily Peck. Confused by crypto? Can't keep up with the metaverse? Wondering why the price of just about everything keeps rising? The Slate Money podcast is here for you. Listen to Slate Money every Saturday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. 
We're listening to my conversation with automotive news reporter Carly Schaffner about the year that Hyundai and Kia had in 2022. Here's more of our conversation. We've got to talk at least a little about probably the main black eye that Hyundai Kia has had this year, and that's the spree of thefts of their vehicles. These are some some older model vehicles, but kind of but in large numbers. So tell me what's the the state of that? Yeah, so this was such a quirky, weird thing that kind of bubbled up on TikTok and then moved on to YouTube. It was just kids showing how to hotwire these vehicles. Their older model, as you said, Kia and Hyundai's mostly dating back for Hyundai to 2016 model year. And the reason they were able to be hotwired is because they lacked engine really immobilizers, which you can pop off the steering wheel column and hotwire using a USB. And many of the the kids, because they were younger teenagers, used the whoever's car was owners, their cell phone charger sitting right in the car, the USB end of it to turn on the car and then just drive and create mayhem. So there wasn't really any point to it other than social media. It started in St. Louis and kind of bubbled up and uh, proliferated into other cities. And then we started to see some class action lawsuits pop up, up to 26. And there is an attorney now um, right in what he calls Hyundai and Kia's backyard in in Orange County now trying to create a a national uh, class action to try to recoup some of the money lost for the the owners of these vehicles. And additionally, Hyundai, I will say, they did come out with a fix that they, what they call the fix that they distributed to their dealer network. It was a $170 retrofitting remote key fob and siren so that it, you know, if, if any rocking or shattering would happen, the siren would go off. Additionally, the engine would be tethered to a remote key fob, but owners haven't been really notified as if there were a recall, which means that everybody would get notified. They're really relying on news media like us to get the word out. And uh, it costs $170, like I said, and that does not include labor. So a lot of these owners we're assuming aren't really that eager to run out the door to pay you know, $700 to get their car fixed in prevention. Additionally, Kia has really only gone so far as to hand out steering wheel, you know, the club steering wheel locks to um, local law enforcement in these uh, affected cities. So it's kind of stopped there. And now we're just waiting until the class actions bubble up. Yeah. And, and, an extra $700 for your seven-year-old Hyundai, you know, is a, a, a real kicking the pants, I'm sure, for a lot of those owners. Yeah, definitely a lot to ask. Well, we'll see if they can uh, can straighten that out in the coming year. And uh, any other, uh, uh, any predictions or thoughts for uh, 2023 for this group? Well, we didn't really get to Genesis. We want to touch oh, on Genesis right. a little bit. <laughs> Let's do that. Genesis has had a really strong year. I mentioned that the brand's finally opened its first standalone store via a dealer in Lafayette, Louisiana. And I've heard that there are 74 more standalone retail stores underway. And not the next one won't open until 2023. But I know uh, just up the road in Santa Monica, there is one that's operating in a temporary facility while their, their store is underway. So they're really kind of putting the flag down there. And Genesis also launched, speaking of EVs, its first dedicated compact crossover, of course, electric, uh, called the GV60. 
And that vehicle is also built on Hyundai's uh, eGMP platform, which allows plentiful range and, of course, ultra-fast charging capabilities. And they've now opened up sales to of that vehicle in eight states. They also launched the electric version of their G80 sedan, the electrified G80. And that vehicle is now on sale in 12 states. And they are in the in the queue for them is the electric version of their really popular, again, another compact crossover, GV70, a very sleek, stylish crossover that's really helped them kind of gain ground in terms of brand recognition as a luxury entity. And they are going to be offering that as an EV as well. So the electrified GV70, that starts production now. And that also is being built at the Hyundai facility in Montgomery, Alabama. So that's a big win for the company. And that one will be possibly, no confirmation yet, with the first Hyundai Motor Group vehicle to receive at least a portion of that $7,500 tax credit. First one under the new under the Inflation Reduction Act because it will be made in the U.S. Of course, we yes. don't know if the the battery sourcing or the component sourcing, the mineral sourcing, will meet all the rules. That still hasn't been spelled out by the Treasury Department yet. Right. And, but you know, of course, don't get me started on the the <laughs> their use of electrified. Uh, <laughs> It it just drives me crazy. I, you know, I get it across their whole brand, maybe. that I mean, just to make sure that the listeners understand, right? Electrified just means there's some electric in the powertrain. And a lot of times companies want to make their hybrids sound more electric. So they'll say, you know, electrified, this and that. And here, you know, Hyundai and Genesis has these electric cars, batter, you know, BEVs, battery electric vehicles. And they call them electrified. And it just, you're selling yourself short here. I, I don't get it. But that's what they call them. And I think, as you've reported, eventually all the Genesis vehicles will be pure electric and then they can drop the whole electrified silliness. Yes. I think that's why they really haven't invested much time into coming up with a name for it. Additionally, when you look at the vehicle itself, there's nothing really on it, no badging or anything like that to show you that or you know anyone on the road behind you that you're driving an EV, which is interesting because we're kind of in that in-between stage where do we want to look like we're driving an electric car, do we not? I know we're over that with hybrids, but still with people with EVs, I think consumers want the, a little bit of recognition, but they're in the battery port is in the front, kind of uh, camouflaged with the, the mesh grill. So it's an interesting strategy. All right. Well, we'll be watching to see where it all goes and, and counting on you to cover it for us. Thanks, Thank Carly. You. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on Hyundai and Kia and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a look at Tesla's year in 2022. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.